Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it's that time of the week. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show, where I have to very first out of the gate thank Matt. Yeah. Uh, I got to thank Amber, who uh, is probably covering. I got to thank. Our engineer Dale, who uh, covered for me, because he bought you one minute, I, and, and that's exactly what we needed. Because who else is in studio? Maddie, Little John. Uh oh, that's right. Uh, Dad had taxi duty, so scooped up the kiddo, and she is joining in studio uh, on what a remarkable day uh, in the markets, mm-hmm. right? And all. How about this, right? How much of this is just. How much of the markets right now are just built around whether or not the Fed ate like a burrito after 8 p.m.? It feels like the whole thing moves on just <laughs> any little whisper that you hear from the I mean, Fed. You're, you're just sitting there, you go, did you guys, like, does somebody have indigestion or like, did you, you're hungover? Like, what happened? Because somebody comes out and goes, well, you know, we kind of, we were looking at the data and. Yeah. That's the best Fed voice I can offer right now. It's going to shred my own voice. Uh, anyway, the markets, they you know they cough up some returns today all around the idea that, oh, P.S., we might have this, – this is flooring me, by the way, because we might have kind of got it wrong again. Yeah, but the better question is, when has the Fed got it right? Yeah, Well, I think they got it right for a while when everything was really, really rough, like everything was in a deflationary environment, they said, we better lower interest rates to get this thing rolling again. Mm-hmm. But here's, I think, the bigger story. And, and let's we're just not going to beat this one to death because, frankly, you guys that listen regularly, I mean, what, is, what are we going to do with this, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if we want to correctly identify the, the Fed is, I think they're trying to use a policy tool that doesn't exist, which is jawboning, mm. right? Like, let's see if we can talk about something without actually doing anything and get the markets to respond. So you think they almost kind of tried to talk their way out of the situation that they were in Oh, there's, for a while? To, to they, me, were they like, just like buying themselves time here? Well, or? it's more like, so consider, uh, so you got to kind of roll back the clock. Right? Okay. Like, look back when they were saying, well, we know we have inflation, but we're pretty sure it's, transitory nailed it yeah. yes nailed it and everyone kind of rolled their eyes and, and we're like, all like hey. and i remember being on this show and going i'll believe it when i see it right there's inflation you can't print trillions and not have inflation mm-hmm. and everybody's like no it's transitory we think it's because of the supply chain disruptions and covid you know you, you can't just covid's not like windows operating system you don't just turn it off and back on again like you can't do that with the economy right right but we sort of pretended like you could and if you don't believe me, go look at the test scores for our kids, right? <laughs> Madison's over here laughing like uh. right? where where you go because now this one I can I can so so Mads, did you get a break during COVID? Yeah. How? Well, I took a year out of school and I did like a homeschooling thing. Well, yeah. So you didn't really stop stop school, right? You still had to go for like that whole year. You were still in school. I mean, technically, yeah. But I mean, the break, I guess you're you're thinking like a vacation, like it was you could sleep in more and stuff like that. because You didn't yeah. have to go to the campus. But how many of your peers just 
they were doing online school and it was a joke. Oh, like during sixth grade? Like yeah. the first beginning of it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The- yeah, it was like, school, <laughs> that's cute. That's just a way to keep the government funding stuff. Yeah, I, I can speak from this firsthand. I was teaching during the time, and when the lockdowns happened and kids weren't coming to school, I had like less than 10% participation rate in the virtual classrooms. So effectively, kids weren't no getting school. an education. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not throwing rocks at the schools for that. Right. No. Like when the government shows up and goes, remember, we'll just turn it off and back on again. Mm -hmm. Right. They broke it. Okay. The policymakers. And, uh, you know, you can say like, well, what were they supposed to do? It's like, hey, we armchair quarterback all the time. The difference being that you go back and listen to the programs back then when I said, I'm telling you, we're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying that for a while. And then everybody comes back now. It's like, so at least I've been consistently armchair quarterbacking. Yeah, I mean, you've been saying it the whole time. Right? So, And I think we've been saying about this as well. Guess what? We are in a recession, okay? It's not manifesting the way people expect because they're watching the jobs numbers thinking that's going to tell the story. But you know do why you it doesn't? Do you have a hunch, like, what the the conflict is here? Like, why Yeah, I are, do. So what's your theory on My this? My theory is that once we started writing COVID checks— and then the government started doing other in-kind benefits that were not directly unemployment, but were other forms of life support. Give me it, an example of what something like that could Housing look like. subsidy. Okay. Okay. Oh, you're low income. You can qualify for a housing subsidy, so you can pay X number of dollars per month. If you go and earn any more, though, we'll take away the subsidy, mm-hmm. and then it won't – and then basically you'll work – and you'll pay this, and and all of what you work for will go to pay the difference in housing. So right. people go, okay. Well, in that case, I won't work. And do you think we're still seeing the effects of that I right now? Guarantee we're still seeing. Yeah. That. Right now, can I point to the data? No, but can I point to the anecdotal stories and of what you're seeing? People firsthand. that are in within my my circle of uh, folks that I interact with, and they're like, I know people, and they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're getting. In-kind supplementation in the form of, oh, well, here's your phone, here's your place to stay, here's your internet, and here's your food subsidy in some fashion, right? right? And you're like, well, then there's your life support. And it eventually turns into a dependency, right? Like if you allow the behavior to manifest itself for too long, it's really crippling. Let me tell you, I'm actually not throwing rocks at the person that's doing this. Like, there's no, some people that are because the system's par- there and it's available. It's not even about the system. It's about what happens when you design a pernicious incentive. Mm-hmm. Okay? Do you, know, you know what that means? I mean, it's an incentive. No, here, I'll, I'll play a game with you. Hey, Madison, uh, here's, here's the idea, right? You could either... Um, well, not work and make a hundred dollars or yeah, work like, and make 80. Yeah, Which are you going to yeah, choose? Here's your, you know, I'll pay you an allowance uh, or like no allowance. But if you work, you can make a hundred dollars a month working around the house or I'll give you an allowance for eighty five dollars. Right. I'll take the hundred. Hey, will you? I mean, maybe even if you difference, you're like, well, for fifteen dollars, if I have to work for 20 hours, you're like, well, no, I'm not going to work 20 hours to clear fifteen dollars more. That's stupid. That's fair. I right? would not do that. That would be a pernicious incentive, right? It's like it's designed to keep her from wanting to work at that point. Mm-hmm. Whether it was intentional or not is the real question. My suspicion is no. I think there are a bunch of people that have 
probably big hearts, but when you don't look at the aggregate of the policy making, this kind of crap happens. And that's why I think the Fed is doing their best they can to talk this whole thing down. But you know what? They got policymakers at a federal level and in many cases at a at a, mostly at a high state level. I think when you by the time you get to local, uh, there's a lot more unfunded mandates and nonsense where you're you know they're doing the best they can. But every time we look at our our um, governance locally, it's like, well, what do you want? When the state tells you you have a bunch of unfunded mandates and no resources, and then everybody wants to squawk and well, we're going to elect somebody who's going to change this thing, only to learn that eighty percent of what happens operationally is structurally set by the state government. We can't do much about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, so what do we do? We squawk about the twenty percent of differences, but the reality is you can move maybe two or three percent of that twenty percent. So everybody ends up behaviorally being ninety-seven percent similar. Because they have to. <laughs> right. Right? It's, and so that's the part about governance that's frustrating, and that's where we run into this stuff. And I think that's where the market's at, too. Hmm. It's like, what's the Fed supposed to do? They have to raise rates because we keep having dumb policy that keeps fostering more inflation. Like, when the inflation – just newsflash, everybody, okay? And I am throwing rocks now. When you have the Inflation Reduction Act, right, and it spends more money in a system that already is inflationary, I got news for you. Throwing money at an inflation problem doesn't slow inflation. Okay? This is not the this is not like beginner level economics in college. This is what they write on the back of the textbook when you're looking for the summary. Okay? It's that <laughs> level of simple. Right. And so if you are like, that's not true, it's like, okay, you're partisan. There's right. there's no academic rationale that says, you know how we're going to solve inflation? We're going to spend a bunch more money on it. And the same story is, oh, we're, we'll fix the infrastructure. Okay, you're going to solve inflation over a 20-year period by still inflating more right now. That's not an inflationary solve. Okay, what that is is a rationalization for spending more money when rather than correcting the systemic yeah. failures. You're in debt and you're writing more checks. So, I mean, I get it sometimes like when the infrastructure is bad, you need to you need to pay for it. But what you don't do is say, "Why don't we pick the highest prevailing wage point in history and, and then the highest point for commodity prices in history just about and then do all of the projects then?" Right. Right? I mean, that's Bad I timing. It's just bad timing. I don't care timing. what economic theory you're espousing to. It ain't that. Mm-hmm. Right? This is just politicians spending money that doesn't exist to try to stay in office. And it's not just politicians. It's the bureaucrats in the system that just keep doing what they do and watching out for their little bubble. And you have enough of that. It doesn't even have to be a conspiracy. It's just... You're just gathering votes well, at that point. Well, you just have a bunch of people where that's the self, their self-interests align in that direction, and this is what happens. Right. So what does it mean? It means we get a down day in the market on a Tuesday. What does what it mean tomorrow? What else does it mean? Hmm. I don't know, but I will tell you this. It's not like the market is truly that surprised. Okay. Mm. Traders may have to reposition because the Fed came out and said, yeah, we're really going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And the market, meanwhile, said, well, duh. 
right? The big surprise wasn't that it was a big surprise. The big surprise was we had hoped it wouldn't be this. Right. But it is. So the you know the the beats the, what does it say the hits keep coming here we mm-hmm. go anyway that's as much as i want to beat this horse today okay okay what do you have for us after we get back from this break well uh, you know what i feel like there's a lot of things that we could certainly talk about every time i get a kid in studio it's fun to have like questions that kids ask about money mm. right a kid i say young young lady here i'm You're, a kid i'll go with that I, i've seen your behavior yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, the funniest way that I woke up this morning, um, my daughter oh. is gifted with sarcasm. <laughs> so uh, if you want to know how my morning started, uh, we'll we'll do that. But first, let's take a break. Stick around. Uh, so I'll check and see is the music playing? It is. All right, let's uh, be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn, Matt Dixon, and Maddie Littlejohn, and you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Greetings to my favorite listeners. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon and Maddie Littlejohn. That's right. We've got my oldest, my firstborn joining us today in studio. Uh, Now, if you are just catching up, you can grab our podcast. It'll be posted tomorrow. Go to littlejohnfs.com. You no longer have to scroll all over the place to find it. It's right there, isn't it? You could just, like, if you just scroll down the page, it's going to say things like, get smarter as an investor or learn more, or listen to all of the knowledge that we have paid for via podcast for years. So you can do that, and you can get caught up on this show. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Madison's You're like, like, I just want to watch TV. My dad talks so much. So this morning, I promised I'd tell you this hilarious story. Um, at least it's hilarious to me because it's insight into the kind of kid that is apparently um, living under your roof. Yeah, <laughs> directing traffic in our home. So I'm up rattling around this morning, and uh, I'm the taxi, remember? Mm. So we do our morning routine and out the door, which mm-hmm. just be aware Madison is driving. If you see a white F-150, just be on the on the lookout. Unfortunately, that's like 50% of tr- all vehicles on the road. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> anyhow, uh, I say to her, good morning, Princess Maddie. And she answers. Good morning, peasant. <laughs> and it was at that point we confirmed. My daughter uh, speaks in sarcasm. So I like it. I don't, I don't know if that's because I did a great job or I did that job. Let's go with a great job. Let's just default yeah. to yes. you pass on a, a sense of humor and wit. It's not even it's not even over. We have a few more years of this. Just remember uh, your college fund is still technically at risk. I think I'll be okay. <laughs> so all right. So this one's always fun. I have not prepped Maddie for this at all, but we've done this on the program a handful of times over the years. And some of it is where we we quiz our young people, right? Believe it or not, we don't spend a lot of time at home preaching about money. You don't? No. Okay. Only if we're discussing like, you know, chores and allowances, then then the money talks get real. Then there's negotiation, right? Mm. (laughs) Madison is very clever. Does she drive a hard bargain? No. Or is she just no. really, really good at kind of slipping in a good deal? Yeah. No. Uh, she, what she's great at <laughs> is 
getting paid to do things and then when it's time for her to spend her money she gets somebody else to buy it for her anyway that's true i'm actually wow. really good at that because yeah. well, like i help out around the house like i'll like i'll do like a bunch of stuff and then i'll go and i'll do like i'll go like shopping on like amazon or something i'm like mom can i get this and she's like yeah sure let's do it like you just <laughs> and, then the house. Right. and then she's and like then and i'll just, get some other stuff yeah <laughs> and then she just buys it and it works because i was helping out <laughs> genius pernicious incentive i tell you hmm i mean are we getting amazon packages weekly here no oh, I, I okay. don't. it's more than that no, <laughs> <laughs> not for you <laughs> i swear amazon is like they know they don't, they don't even really know well. they don't know our dress they just know our name they're like oh that goes there right yeah. put it on that <laughs> all the cardboard boxes go on that doorstep Jeez, so so yeah anyway well played right so Here's a fun one for you. We've played this game before. Um, how much do you think somebody starting at your age, which you do not have to admit to on air, right? But we already know you're not licensed and you are permitted, so people can do the math. Uh, <laughs> how much do you think it takes if you could save per month a certain amount of allowance to become a millionaire, say, by the time you reached retirement age, which right now is 65. So that's like 50 years. You said monthly? Mm, yeah. How many How many years, how many months is in 65 years? Ooh. Oh, I think it was 60 years. So 60. 50 even. But. Oh, 50. Um, Hang on. 50 times 12, Ugh, two. Oh, we're going to do the whole thing. All right. Okay. I don't know. What? A million? <laughs> That's a lot of money. To make a million dollars? Yeah. You're going to do a monthly contribution. First, we need to know what's your rate of return. What do you think it should be? For 50 years, rate of return. I would say let's do 8% rate of return. 500. If I could even make that much money, five hundred a month. So, I feel like that's a good one, but I don't think it, like right now I could make five hundred a month. What if you could make a hundred dollars a month? Do you think you could get there? Let's Maybe. go even lower. Let's go with fifty dollars a month. 50? Let's go well, really that was what low. I originally could you do fifty? Let's start with something that you feel is realistic. Could you find fifty dollars every month if you worked yes, really, really I hard? Could. Okay. Yeah. The answer is if you started with zero and you had mm -hmm. 50 years and you made 8% and you compounded monthly. On how much a month? $127. $127 so a I month? So I was like way off with my 500. 500. But it seems like a good idea at the time. Right. Now, you know this isn't the whole story, right? Yeah, probably. In fact, because let's say we could do the – there's some people that say the long-term average of the stock market is as high as 12%. Hmm. Okay? 12%, what do you think that number is now instead of 8%? Is that higher or lower? Like for money-wise? I don't know. This oh, you're making more. You're making 12% instead, 12 of, 8%. instead of 8%. I'm making more? Yeah. Um, like between 95 and 105? Am I off? $26 a month. Really? Really. Well, I was a way off. 
You have 50 years. You put $26 a month in. You can become a millionaire. Why is this not the whole story, Matt? Because there's going to be some years where you might have a down year. Not every single year you're going to get 12%. Yeah. Although we're, I mean, we're still we're averaging 12%. Right. Yeah. So it should work out on an average. Mm-hmm. So what's going on where the Fed's having a problem right now? Well, we're experiencing rising rates, so we're experiencing inflation. Ah, what do you yeah. think inflation's gonna do over the next 50 years? It's gonna make it to where the money that you have in the future isn't worth. I learned about this. I learned about this in my sociology class. We're learning about it right now. Oh, I'm yeah. ready. Take it away. Yeah, um, she described it with like apple juice, but basically with like the money that you make is not gonna be worth as much because it's like diluted. Ooh. Mm. That's how she described the it. The apple juice effect. Yeah. The apple she, juice she gets diluted. She said, like, if her kids love apple juice, but she doesn't have enough apple juice for the next morning, you can just pour a little bit of water in there, and then they still have apple juice, but it doesn't, like, taste as, like, <laughs> juicy, I guess. It's true. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just diluted it's apple not, juice. It's like, so it's not, like, worth as much. And that's how she described it. It's an interesting but really good way to bring home the concept, right? Because I think that's pretty accurate, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sometimes people will say inflation dilutes the currency. It weakens the currency. And that's like, hey, that apple juice is weak. Mm-hmm. It's too much water and not enough juice, <laughs> yeah. right? What is, the, what is the deal? So, yeah, I think that that's, that's a, a good observation. And it's something that everybody out there, all of you listening, should be attuned to this because it's one of the great challenges of investing. Uh, I had a client that I was speaking with today. They're taking out a mortgage because they moved and they're they're buying a new home. You know what their rate was for 30 years? I'm going to go six and a half. Seven. That's oh. what I was going to say. Yep. Oh, I'm better than you. Oh. <laughs> Peasants, right? Yes. So 7%. If you're an investor now, consider that you need to earn at least 7% to break even, right? Mm. If you had money in a savings account and you had interest at 7% and you're earning 1% in your savings account, you're going backwards at 6% rate. Right. And it's the, the issue is it's really hard right now to conjure returns in the market, in the stock market that are consistent. Right. Is it possible to make 7%? Oh, yeah. And, and like I can show you right now investments with more than 7% yield associated with them. Mm-hmm. But are they stable? What if the company that you're, yeah. Loaning money to defaults because they go under. Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? It is. So uh, there's this risk-reward trade-off, but when you have a cost of capital, and that's really what's going on with the Federal Reserve, to fight inflation, what they're saying is, we're going to make money expensive to borrow. Because, and and to, yeah. to, why would they do that? So then you're less likely to go spend that money and create more demand for goods. Yeah, so... This is, we're going to have a little lesson. This will be fun for, Mads, you're going to be our little guinea pig here for our listeners. We're going to have a lesson on the fractional reserve banking system. I hate fractions. You you will, (laughs) even more after this. But 
you're going to be able to impress your teachers. So everybody stick around. We're going to talk about why rising rates. What is it? And, and, and the why will lead us to how as investors might we respond. Stick around. We'll be back. This is Dave Littlejohn. Matt Dixon. And Maddie Littlejohn. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, David Littlejohn. In studio with me is my main man, Matt Dixon, and my firstborn, Maddie Littlejohn. And I'm I'm floored. Uh, I I don't even remember what we were going to talk about. Well, I, we're going to talk about fractional reserve system, but before I do, I'm like, this this is breaking news to me. Apparently, I I don't know if it how quick this happened, but I heard about it yesterday. And so, but it it appears to be, and I don't want to spread rumors, but it sounds like the WalMarts, like basically all, all the WalMarts, yeah. are mm-hmm. pulling out of Portland. Yeah, like they're just when I say pulling out, I mean you can't move the store away, but they're just, they're just shut down. down. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. So you think about everything from job loss to what does that mean for the folks that that is a primary source of Food. groceries and so forth. Uh, and they're saying it's because the the shoplifting has become so bad that they can no longer operate profitably. Yeah, and to emphasize this, it's a permanent closure. This isn't a temporary thing. They're just saying we're done. We're cutting ties. We're done. That's astonishing it's making national news portland is in the headlines right now this i i will say that this really pains my heart because i have family from the area and the portland of my youth was such an amazing city Mm -hmm. you know it had this really cool it was a small city but it had this great culture and it was vibrant and things were happening and people wanted to be there and it was really cool and now uh, it's just, uh, I mean, I've just said this for a long time. This is the result of removing consequences. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, bottom line is that everybody can say, look, I'm compassionate. If you're compassionate without consequences for behavior, you're not compassionate. Right. Like that's actually cruel. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you do not allow the consequences to match the behavior, people never learn otherwise. If you enable things that then spiral out of control this is what you get well the, just the lack of yeah. compassion is actually cruelty because think about all of the families right that are in a, a really compact area with a lot of traffic mm-hmm. and you want access to affordable groceries where might you go walmart right like that's mm-hmm. an easy choice if those stores are shutting down what are, what's happening to the, the families and the communities that are relying on oh. the ability to get affordable groceries or affordable clothes, you're taking that away because you're allowing the mob mentality to take over and lawlessness to just spread. Yeah, it's it is uh, it's truly tragic on many, many levels. Mm-hmm. And again, do not conflate compassion with a lack of consequences, uh, nor can you cannot redistribute from those that are following the rules to those that refuse to follow rules and maintain social order. Mm-hmm. You will disincentivize following rules. Yeah. And that's okay. exactly what we're seeing in Portland right now. I mean, the way that the city's going about handing out free money to people that are homeless. I yeah. mean, it, it, I heard 
I know there it's, is a, there is a my understanding. I don't have the number yet, and but there was a bill under consideration. I don't know that it really has traction or not. But the idea of a universal basic income being right, and provided, that's in the pipeline too. In addition to what they're already doing. Well, at, at some point, you know, wake up, mm-hmm. right? A- and maybe this is the the moment where I mean, here's the reality again. I go back to my earlier rant. I mean, even if you change your political representatives, if you don't change the culture that's running bureaucratically exactly. in those organizations, I don't know that you get real change. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the people that are doing this are bad people in many cases. Like That's a weird thing to, to, to realize that many of these organizations that are setting policy in their little ecosystem, they may think they're doing a good thing. Right. But how their ecosystem connects to the other ecosystems and how those interactions magnify or scale, can you can have unintended consequences. And, I, I mean, this is one of them. Sure, it's short-sighted thinking, mm-hmm. really. Well, and, and there may be some people out there that are naive enough to say, good, Walmart sucks. They take all the jobs from the mom-and-pop businesses anyway. And I go, yeah, but who's going to set up a mom and pop business in an environment where you can't operate a profitable business on the thinnest of margins, which Mm -hmm. is Walmart, because theft is rampant. Right. Okay. Like you've turned everything into a a kind of a Mad Max environment where it's like, Mm -hmm. all right, well, there's no law. That isn't going to end well. No. So there we go. Well, that's certainly cheerful. How does this connect? I believe it or not, there is a connection to the fractional reserve banking system. Oh, I'm interested in what you. What uh, you I realize this is going to seem like a real stretch, but this all comes back to cost of capital. Mm-hmm. Okay, the cost of capital is one of the single most important variables in the financial system. Okay, because the cost of there's really of the the cost of capital is connected to what we will we will often term the risk free rate of return. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think? Like, so if I just threw that out there, let's let's beta test this on Mads. What do you think the risk free rate of return is? What does it sound like? Like. How could you make money without any possible risk? Yeah, I don't know that you can. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's the first trick. Yeah. But what might the risk free rate of return be like if you had to guess like what do you think like as a percentage is that what you're asking her well it's more like what instrument like if you were to say you know what out there in the world could we say that's the standard by which we're going to benchmark everything else against it i'm I'm getting the look she's like all right this i'm gonna help okay Okay? (laughs) here's the good news if if you have the world's reserve currency which is what the u.s dollar currently is and you have a printing press, which the government does, then what you're going to decide is when what is the currency benchmark to use? And what the industry has largely accepted is the 10-year Treasury bill. Okay, That's the interest rate that the government is paying to borrow money from you, or anybody else that's willing to loan the money for a 10-year stretch. Did you see that it hit um, a new number within the last couple of days? It hit 4%. Okay. Yeah. 
So we're talking pre-2008 levels again. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more like 2006 levels last time we saw north of 4%. I'm just guessing. I haven't looked at the data. Right. You haven't looked at the graph. Yeah. But the risk-free rate of return, why do we care? Right? Because every other investment you make, you... It better be over that. <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of, you need to look at that and say, well, compared to what I could put money away for 10 years and get paid, am I in a better spot or a worse spot than that? And am I taking more risk or less risk? Mm-hmm. How much risk do you have that the federal government won't pay you back in 10 years? Not very much. And why is that? Because it's 10 years and a lot can happen in 10 years. Well, because... They have a printing press. But that's the apple juice and diluted money. It may be. But from a perspective of will you get paid back, how likely are you to be paid back? By the U.S. government. By the U.S. government. A lot. More than 90. Right. Super, super high because they can dilute the apple juice. Mm -hmm. They can print money. This is always my argument when people are like, I'm not even sure Social Security is going to be there when it's my turn. And I go, you're kidding, right? They can print money. Right, if there's a right. deficit, well, and they but need you to know, but, they're, but they they can't because of the rules of this, that, and the other. So they'll throw the rules out the window if it suits their purpose. Yeah, they're not going to. And get who's going to tell you, unless you're a tiny generation with no voters and no donors, which hasn't made sense yet, right? Even mm-hmm. Gen X, which is arguably the smallest generation around right now, but it's unlikely that everybody's going to somehow get together and say. Well, let's just scrap Social Security. Right, because by then there's probably Gen X on the Supreme Court. Well, and think about it this way. Who's going to vote for you if you scrap Social Security? You lose everyone's vote. Right. Right. It's the third rail of politics. You just can't take away the free stuff. No. That's the other problem with introducing too much free stuff. Yeah. It's it's, hard to take it away once you've been given it out. Anyway, back to the risk-free rate of return. Government has a printing press. They can dilute. doesn't matter. You're going to get paid back. Yeah. So all of our other investments get compared to that risk-free rate of return. Mm-hmm. How does this relate to the banking system? I'm assuming it has something to do with interest. It's back to the cost. of Yeah, it is, right? It is interest because interest is the cost of borrowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And borrowing what? Capital. It's the cost of capital. Right? If you need to get a loan, how much does it cost you? Oh, a mortgage for 30 years at 7%? Your cost of capital is? More than that 4% we talked about. It's 7%. Right. right? And so that's the cost of the mortgage. That's your cost of capital. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at the cost of capital in the entire system. Okay? Well, here's the weird thing about the way a bank theoretically operates. So Mads... Let's say you get a loan for, this will be fun, right? A million dollars. Yes. Okay? And you're going to go and take that loan, and you're going to do a development, and you're going to build some cool widget factory. Harry Potter castle. Okay. The Harry Potter <laughs> castle. This is a tourist one. Your cost of capital is high. Uh, <laughs> whatever <laughs> We mentioned she likes Harry Potter. Uh, Okay, so you're going to build some kind of infrastructure. Yeah. But 
you're not going to put all million dollars into the project at once. You're going to start with $100,000, and then you're going to have $900,000 left, and what are you going to do with it? You're going to put it in the bank until you need the next chunk of money, right? And yeah. so the next 100000 and then after that, another hundred, and you're going to make installment payments until you're done with your project. Mm -hmm. When you put the 900000 back in your bank, what happens? You get interest, right? Yeah, and now the bank has a liability because they got money back in the bank and they don't make money on that and they have to pay you interest on it. <laughs> so they better turn around and loan that money out to somebody else. But what they don't realize, or maybe they do, is, well, you borrowed that money to begin with. You used 100000 of it and you put 900000 back in the bank and the bank's going to loan that 900000 out again. And somebody else is going to get a nine hundred thousand dollar loan, and they're going to put their hundred thousand in, and then they're going to put about, you know, eight hundred thousand back in the bank, and the bank's going to take that eight hundred thousand, and they're going to loan it out again. So, in theory, could you have more money loaned out than exists? Yes. Isn't that what happened in the Great Depression? Yes. The banks like didn't have enough money to give to people. In essence, yes. When the banks, when people came back to try to cash out of the bank, they physically didn't have enough money to cash out their their members or their you know the the account holders okay i can just see a listener saying okay there's proof that we're headed for another great depression which so, not necessarily okay yes. and can so, you explain to them why so i'm going to do this super fast because of time uh the Banks have a certain amount of assets they must keep on reserve. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's, it's called a reserve requirement, and they also have uh, different resources with which they can borrow money as well. Mm -hmm. And unlike the Great Depression, we now have a lot more digital currency. Like if you went to a bank right now without the bank having a problem and said, "I want a hundred thousand dollars," they may look at you and say, "Come back next Tuesday," because they don't have a hundred thousand dollars there. You're talking in cash. I'm talking about cash. Like you mm -hmm. can't just pull that kind of money out. But what if they wanted it digitally moved? Oh, easy. See, you know, yeah, zip, that's the just you know a couple of keystrokes and and it's done. Okay, so now they may put a hold on the money for a little while, and that's just to kind of slow it down between the systems so that they can kind of reconcile things and make sure the books are clear. But you can get digital stuff done virtually instantaneous. You to get actual cash though would be tricky. So banks have this reserve requirement, and the idea is that they need to have enough on hand that if a percentage of people come and want money, they have it available. Mm -hmm. So they don't loan all of it out, but the lower the interest rate, the more attractive it is to borrow. So people borrow more. Mm -hmm. And if they borrow more, then the bank loans it to them, and then more people have it, and more people put part of it in other banks. And so it means more loans get made and that money ultimately expands in the system right so it's not like one dollar flying around the system it's one dollar became ten dollars became twenty dollars became fifty dollars kind of thing it's leverage and the way that you start to take all the extra money out of the system because what causes inflation too much money chasing the same amount of goods Right, so oh, everybody wants the same thing. I used to have ten dollars, now I have twenty. I'll pay twenty dollars for that widget, please. The widget now costs twice as much. That's inflation. Mm. Okay, because 
we, we increase the amount of money in circulation. So how do you get money out of circulation? You don't rip it in <laughs> half. No, you do not. You start to raise interest rates and it's more expensive and fewer people get loans and all of a sudden the money that had been put in bank 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 again and again and again starts getting pulled back out so that it can pay other loans off and so they don't have to pay those high rates and the number of dollars in circulation contracts and now you have less money chasing the same amount of goods well why don't we do that we are trying to do that the question, though, is what happens when it goes you have the Fed far. doing one thing and the federal government is borrowing money and spending money that doesn't exist? Mm-hmm. Debt. Right? Now you have institutions fighting with each other, and it's really hard. So that's the issue. You, you, know, you can't have stimulus from the government while the Federal Reserve is trying to dampen the economy simultaneously. That's just not going to work. Student loan forgiveness. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are just, you know, politicians buying votes. <coughs> yeah. So there you have it. That's our quick lesson on the fractional reserve banking system. We got to grab our last break. We're super long. So stick around and we'll be right back. We've got our favorite. We got financial terms Ooh. on the way. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. Matt Dixon. Matty Littlejohn. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. You have joined us just in time. I know some of you have snuck out early, but you're still listening in the car because you're on the way to your next very important thing. And you know what they want, David? They want some financial terms. Financial terms. Remember, financial terms are kind of cool. They are These are either real terms that um, sound fake, or they are fake terms that sound real, in which case we are going to provide some... Uh, definitions for you. And so we've got Maddie here, and I'm going to throw a few out. The first one we're going to start with today is the Batman Index. True or false? Is it real? Yes. Matt? I I think it sounds false. and so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's false. I've yeah. never in my career heard of the Batman Index. Let's give it a definition. Let's start with about? Madison. Yeah. What would be the Batman Index? Is this one Batman? Goes around town and throwing index cards at people. Just throwing index cards. Throws index cards. <laughs> yes. That is the Batman index. Okay, it's going to make for a terrible movie. <laughs> okay. I think the Batman index is where Batman is just watching the crime levels, but it looks like a stock ticker. So it's like, oh, oh, it's going, it's falling, it's falling. Crime is down, and Batman. Oh, is it's happy. like whether or not he could take a vacation. Yeah, like if the Batman index is high. He can't take a vacation. Right. Yeah. I like it. I was thinking, um, you know, in a, in the snarky way, uh, Batman index is um, the willingness for movie production companies to throw good money at bad ideas. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah. like like how likely are we going to make money back on this? Who cares? Batman index. <laughs> yep. and, and you know, cuz some Batman movies have been awesome and some have been awesome. really a uh, disservice to the franchise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Next one um cuz we have only so much time today. This one is fun. Billionaire broke. Billionaire broke. Real term or false term? You know, it's real because billionaires go broke all the time and I'm going to give it the definition of when you put all your money in crypto and then you are no longer a billionaire. You're billionaire broke. <laughs> Madison, what do you think billionaire broke is? When you break a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. How do you okay. break them? <laughs> yeah. Back to crypto. All right. I get to the music's playing. We got to run here. So my definition of billionaire broke is 
when somebody else buys a bigger yacht than yours. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we are out of time for now. Matt, how do they reach us if they would like actual financial advice? Probably give us a phone call at 541-375-0898. All right. Well, we're out of time for now. So until next time, check out littlejohnfs.com or give us a call. I'm Dave Littlejohn. Matt Dixon. And Maddie Littlejohn. You've been listening to True Wealth. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.